Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of The Journal. In this episode, I'll be talking to Liz Foster and Peter Blanc. In this episode of the podcast, we're talking about key takeaways from the Chartered Insurance Institute's Shaping the Future of Insurance Conference. We're joined by Liz Foster, Chairperson of Solihull Insurance Brokers and Non-Executive Director of the Society of Insurance Broking, and Peter Blanc, President of the Chartered Insurance Institute. Here's my conversation with Liz and Peter. Hello, Liz, and hello, Peter, and thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Morning, Luke. Morning, Liz. Morning. Morning. Real pleasure to to have you with us. Now, Peter, we've just had the Shaping the Future of Insurance conference, elevating the customer experience, uh, which provided a holistic view of how insurance and financial services professionals can think about customers. A major theme of your presidency has been how insurers and and personal finance professionals can work together to promote the value of advice. Um, How was that discussed at the event? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, we've been we've all been talking for the whole year about advice and the importance of advice. And I think the context around it are that in society at the moment, there are so many drivers towards putting people into self-service situations. And in general insurance, of course, over the last you know, 10, 15 years, it's now incredibly common for people to buy their car insurance online. Um, there are increasingly moves to for people to buy their home insurance online. And now it's also stretching into the SME space. And of course, the problem is that when you look at the experience of customers buying products online, I just don't believe they're necessarily buying products that are absolutely fit for purpose and are not going to deliver the outcomes that customers need. And I think this, this is, runs across general insurance and personal finance, because the personal finance arena, everyone knows about how important it is for people to take financial advice. The truth is, members of the public are not going to go home at night and do loads and loads of research online to make sure they're buying the right products. They need to speak to people who know what they're talking about. Absolutely. And Liz, what are your thoughts on some of the benefits of um, insurance and financial advice professionals working more closely to benefit customers? Well, Peter and I, for a long, long time, have agreed on the value of advice. I mean, which professional insurance brokers wouldn't agree on, on the value of advice? I think the trick is exactly as Peter says, to engage the public, the purchasers of insurance in the same way that the PFS have for the value of advice. We only know what we know. If you don't speak to somebody who is a specialist, how do you know what you don't know? And how we're going to go about that, I think, is something that's going to happen over the coming months. I hope the months and not the years, because we truly do need to work together and bring this whole value of advice in into the wider arena in terms of insurance and personal financial services. So we'll see, won't we? We'll see. But that for me is is absolutely key. We've we've got to sell that story, if you like. Excellent. And I mentioned, Peter, it's been your theme throughout your presidency. You've been championing it for a year. I mean, have you seen kind of progress? Are you, are you happy with connections? Do you feel a bit made or I say anecdotally, I can see certainly in my own business our 
face-to-face advice model has really borne fruit and we're, we're growing at more than double digits organically and we're and that, that's on customer count that's not just on income yeah so this is not just about the um, the hardening market yeah this is actually true true organic growth and every single customer that we win has been advised told what to buy told what's important for them and had their needs properly met and assessed I just don't believe that customers self-serving online are getting the same experience and the same outcome so you know we will continue to push it long after my presidential year is a dim and distant memory. That's something that we will carry on doing forever. <laughs> Excellent. And um, Peter, at the CII conference, your session focused on the need for advice and guidance, in, particularly in a changing world. Um, can you tell us more about the idea behind that and, and what was spoken about? Well, you know, we, it's important for us not as a profession to come across as being Luddite somehow. You know, this is not us saying, oh, well, the internet's a bad thing. Let's just, you know, the only way that insurance and financial services can be sold is by, you know, people turning up with a briefcase and uh, um, and, and going through things face to face. That's absolutely not the case. And interestingly, we were talking about all aspects of the customer journey, about the fact that we, we have to work out how to provide advice in a digital way, how to actually to blend a really good customer experience online with fantastic outcomes and, pro- and providing fantastic advice. And there are all sorts of techniques that, that can be used. And one of the interesting things that Rose St. Louis, who was on the, um, the panel, talked about was actually, she said that they are getting more and fuller disclosures of medical conditions when customers are actually completing forms anonymously online rather than in a face-to-face environment because people find it difficult to actually to disclose, for example, mental health conditions. They actually find that quite difficult to disclose face-to-face because it's kind of awkward if you're sitting with somebody and actually having to say, well, you know what, I've had this mental health problem for the last few years. So finding a way of actually getting the right information from customers in a digital way and then validating it in, a, in an advised way and making sure that customers are getting the advice at the end of the day is a, is a really, really key part of what the future will hold, working out that blend of online and offline. Absolutely. And Liz, um, during the conference, you took part in the societies panel. That looks at practical ways which firms can meet the challenges of a changing world, uh, also regulatory demands as well. Can can you give us some of the, the discussion that was had and some of the key takeaways from, from your panel discussion? That panel discussion was really interesting because it brought together the three societies, so underwriting claims and broking. And I've long advocated that we should be working more closely together within, within the CII. But I think as as a practitioner broker, it's always been my wish to work with underwriters and work with claims professionals to the advantage of a, a policyholder. And the great takeaway for me from that session was that both the underwriting board and the claims board agree with that. And, and we talked long and hard about the value of advice and how that advice can be enhanced by the three working together. So that was a a really key takeaway for me. The other thing was absolutely the value of knowledge. So people engaging with the CII, practitioners engaging with the CII to increase their knowledge. 
understanding that knowledge has to be relevant to the job that you do day to day and that because jobs tend to change and we move around and we create new experiences in our businesses, then we have to, at the same time, increase our journey of knowledge and then overlay knowledge with communication skills. Certainly as a broker, you cannot, you cannot be an advisor, a trusted advisor, if you can't communicate your knowledge. And as a broker also, you have to communicate your knowledge with underwriters and with claims professionals. So those were the two things. The big key things for me was the, the, the synergy between the three boards and then the understanding that we all need to increase our knowledge, make sure our knowledge is relevant, but be able to communicate that knowledge to the advantage of, of those that we advise. There's a, you can't have a feedback loop, can't you? That feedback, if, if a broker sells a product but has no idea of knowing whether it creates an underwriting profit and no way of knowing whether the claims get paid, then that's a really imperfect solution. You know, underwriters need to understand how their products get sold and they need to understand which claims are being paid. And crucially, as came out of some of the research around transparency, there's got to be a really good feedback loop to know when claims are not being paid. Because if a client is putting in a claim, then clearly their expectation by definition is that they were expecting that to be paid. They don't put it in for the good of their health. They're expecting it to be paid. So if those claims are not being paid, then something is going wrong elsewhere in the chain, either at the broking end in the way the product is being sold or at the underwriting end because it's not the product is not being designed to suit the customer's needs. So all three parts of the chain need to be working really closely together to ensure there's this continuous improvement so that ultimately you get to the stage where the products are incredibly for purpose, they're always sold in the right way, expectations are met, and then insurance improves its reputation. And that's kind of what we're all here for. Yes, because, uh, you know, that was another big theme of our panel discussion, public trust. Exactly as you say, that's what we're here for, to build confidence in those that purchase insurance, whether that's as an individual or as an entity. And you can only do that by delivering on the promise which is made when, when the policy is taken up. So, yeah. Uh, and we've said that a uh, major focus of the, the conference was giving a holistic view of, of serving customers as a profession. Peter, that is about giving help and advice throughout the customer journey and the customer relationship, as you've said, from purchase to claim, not just at the, the point that the, the product is bought. Um, it's throughout the journey, isn't it? It's always important. Well, interesting. I mean, the, the new consumer duty from the FCA you know, makes it clear that brokers have to ensure that the outcomes that customers receive are fit for purpose. And and I don't think you can do that if you if you sell products you know in a silo. If you're just selling, you know, a random product without actually taking into account the customer's whole needs, how can you be doing the job properly? You know, part of the trick and, and part of what brokers have to learn is how to actually get customers to engage and and allow brokers to give them fully holistic advice around all aspects of their business. You know, it's not just about customer going online and solving one problem, which happens to be the problem that they know about. As Liz said earlier on, it's kind of, you don't know what you don't know. And until a customer engages properly with a broker to actually find out what they don't know, then it will, it will forever remain a mystery. 
Um, and we mentioned briefly earlier uh, SMEs as well, small to medium enterprises. Liz, are there different challenges that kind of businesses and, and SMEs face um, where cover can perhaps become fragmented over different products or with different in- providers? Um, was that discussed as well at the, at the conference? It most certainly was discussed because that is exactly what's happening in the market now. Many brokers have, have grown up and, and purchasers with this idea that you can purchase one policy and and it's got in there all the cover that you need for your business and that is that's not happening now it, it is in some places but largely key covers that clients don't necessarily policyholders don't necessarily realize is being necessary for their business are starting to be taken out of those composite policies and we all know the reasons why we understand what's happening in the market but do our customers understand and it's our job it's our our responsibility actually to be able to explain it isn't that you don't need that cover and so it's being taken out of the composite policy that you're used to buying it's because that policy that cover is becoming more complex and so the policy needs to respond accordingly and it is better written outside of that composite document and policy that you've had before Overriding that for some purchasers will be the financial cost of that cover. And when you take it out and you isolate that cost, the temptation is there to say, well, this year I'll do without that. And that could be the year when they absolutely need that cover. So again, from brokers, it's understanding how to create the advice that not persuades, but indicates to the purchaser that the risk that they're putting themselves and and potentially their business at by not buying that cover simply because it's been taken out of a composite product. So I think we've got a lot of work to do as as brokers, but that's good because it's the opportunity to be in front of a of a business owner and explaining and understanding. And again, we come back to my favourite description of a broker, which is trusted advisor. It's it's one of the it's one of the biggest challenges that I think have been created by the um, you know, price comparison sites. Yeah, are, are not going to disappear from the market. You know, consumers like price comparison sites, but there's a fundamental problem with price comparison sites in that the cheapest quote is the one that gets the most attention. How do you make a quote cheap? Well, you take out cover, and we've seen it in the household arena. You know, when household insurance used to almost always come with full accidental damage cover. Online, it very rarely comes with accidental damage cover. It's not that the need is not there. The need is absolutely there. It's just that that doesn't get you to the top of the page because it's not the cheapest. And and as anyone knows that trades online, if you're not on the first page, you might as well be in Timbuktu because you're never going to sell a policy. So that's a fundamental problem with comparison sites. And it's something that I don't think the the market has still yet got to grips with. The FCA is imposing a consumer duty on all of us. And I think that means that we all have to make sure that if a product is not fit for purpose, it shouldn't be on the site in the first place. It shouldn't be allowed to be sold by being cheapest by stripping out essential cover. But that's the dilemma, isn't it? Who decides it's not fit for purpose? If the consumer decides it's fit for purpose, that's their decision, isn't it? But if they don't know what they're doing... Exactly. Exactly, Peter. That is the situation. I had exactly that in my family at the weekend. My daughter-in-law said to me, oh, our renewals come round. It's gone up a lot from last year. Should I be honest, Liz? I looked at Go Compare and she said considerable saving 
but the couple wasn't the same. So should we've stayed with what we've got? But not everybody would do that. That's probably because you know it's in the in the family, so to speak. But it is a it's a concern. And then when the claims come round, of course, it's insurance that the trust is lost in. And of course, this year, this coming year, with the energy crisis and the cost of living crisis, small businesses are going to be under the cosh as never before. So you can well forgive them for you know, succumbing to the temptation of just going online and seeing whether they can buy their cover and, and pay pay half the price that they're paying with the broker, even though the cover may be less than a third of what they're getting with the broker. And the sad thing is, Peter, of course, that if they do that, and then heaven forbid they need to make a claim and it's not covered, they haven't got any financial fat in their own business or less financial fat to carry that, that loss that the policy would have would have covered for them. So... Well, it, it sounds like a, a fantastic conference this year. Uh, I mean, any final thoughts from you both on on the content, any kind of eye-opening kind of discussions you had or, or how you'd invite members to engage with, with this year's event? I personally, I, I, I loved the, the fact that there was an acknowledgement that this is not just about us trying to live in the past and just say, right, the only way of selling insurance is what we did 20 years ago. There is an absolute acceptance of the fact that we have to move with the times. But equally, if the digital solution is not quite there yet, then we have to make sure we're driving customers into the right solution. You know, the, the answer is that customers get proper advice and end up with products that fit are fit for purpose, do the job and give the right customer outcomes. We've got to figure out how we do that in a digital world. Absolutely agree. And I, and I just will continue to push and hope that people in our profession understand that insurance needs to improve its reputation, not necessarily because of what we've done, but because it is one of those distressed pur purchases for many people. And the better advice we give, the more we work together across the society boards and the more we come together as a profession and create trusted advice, good products at fair prices, the better, I think, for the, for the world of insurance and for all those that we serve. Excellent. Well, and we certainly invite our listeners, our, our CII members and PFS members and the wider profession to, to go and watch the conference now in full on demand um, at cii.co.uk forward slash future. So all that remains is to thank you, Peter, and thank you, Liz, for, for joining us on the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure and uh, thank you for, for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. And thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. Uh, if you'd like to find out more or to indeed find more episodes, please visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And you can also find us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>